This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault, and on today's edition of Make Remake, we're going to be discussing two films, Terminal Station and Indiscretion of an American Wife. Terminal Station was released in 1953 and directed by Vittorio De Sica. And the plot is, prior to leaving by train for Paris, a married American woman tries to break off her affair with a young Italian in Rome, Stazioni Termini. And then, in Indiscretion of American Wife, also coming out in 1953, directed by Vittorio De Sica, the plot is, prior to leaving by train for Paris, a married American woman tries to break off her affair with a young Italian in Rome Stazioni, Termini. And today, I'm joined by Stephanie Pryor again. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Dakota. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, you know, you might be scratching your head. Am I a broken record? Are we stuck in the Matrix? Is, is something funny going on? How come I just said the exact same plot summary twice? In reality we're talking about the same movie normally on make remake we talk about an original and a remake but today it's something really interesting uh we watched this video essay by koganada who started out as a video video essayist but now is a director of the very excellent movie columbus that was one you really liked yeah too, right? i really enjoyed that one so if you haven't seen columbus definitely check that out that came out last year but he did this video essay on what is neorealism and he talked about this idea of what would happen if you take these clashing personalities you have the italian neorealism movement and then hollywood's more polished thing more more polished factory and you decided to make the same movie but then cut them differently and that's exactly what happened vittorio de sica decided to make his version of an american movie he paired up with David O. Selznick, the very famous American producer, and he made a movie starring Montgomery Clift and Jennifer Jones. Except for after he finished making this movie, O. Selznick realized he didn't actually like Italian neorealism and basically chopped this movie completely up. The original movie is 90 minutes long, but the American version is only an hour long, which is very different. And so... As far as, you know, doing a, a make-remake of, you know, actual remakes of films, what did you think about this idea of tackling one movie cut two different ways? I thought it was a really interesting concept. And when we first were watching that uh, video essay, I was like, is this a real thing? What, is this like two actual movies that were, were just edited differently? And then when we realized that it's true, it's not just like a, uh, an experiment uh, we were both very interested in, in watching both these films and, and kind of dissecting the differences so I really liked watching a movie that wasn't necessarily a remake but was just a re-edit if mm -hmm. you will it almost feels like this is a, a film professor's dream project <laughs> yeah. assignment for their students for sure you know, how do you analyze film, especially when you want to talk about things like uh, shot length, shot selection, dialogue, characters, yeah. background information, everything that you could possibly sort of want in a movie is there in this longer version is done differently in the shorter version. And you can see so easily what works and doesn't work because there'd be times when you talk about things with about movies and you're just like oh you know if they had just done this a little bit differently it's all hypotheticals right, yeah 
yet for this you actually see these hypotheticals play out with the exact same performance because you you can argue about you know oh if they if they just lingered on that shot a little bit more on the emotions because you get different directors who like to linger on emotions without dialogue and you know it's always interesting to see Mm -hmm. but it's so difficult to say well you know it would be different if they did it this way because you know it's you're talking about two completely performances So it's really cool getting to see it that way. But then also, not only are you getting longer shots, you're also getting a slight, not reordering of things, but you're presented information in different aspects. It comes along in different ways. So it really influences the way you view the film as a whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You kind of, you learn or you see things different, a different way. You kind of understand it differently and take different feelings and emotions from different scenes yeah they might not have felt the same way in the other version uh so we're going to talk a little bit later about maybe some of these key differences and what sort of worked or didn't work for these different versions but i guess let's start uh first talking about the movie whether we liked it or not these, these movies are not very well known vittorio de sica for for the film buffs out there probably know him uh, most for Bicycle Thieves, his seminal Italian neorealism film, which is sort of considered, you know, the holy grail in that sort of genre. Uh, but this was complete news to me. I never heard of this movie. I'm not a big Montgomery Cliff fan. Like, not that I don't like him, but I don't really, I haven't seen a lot of his films. Uh, Jennifer Jones is someone who's been sort of forgotten by history. David Oselznick seems to have put his name on his more prestigious films and I think he allowed his own self-marketing to make history forget his lesser films which this would be considered Mm -hmm. Um, based on reading reviews of it it seems like a lot of people are mostly indifferent about it some people seem to really love it but some people don't really care for it but if you're talking purely from a plot perspective this movie is very basic as most neorealism films are it's about a woman who is married to an american goes on vacation in rome to visit her sister and ends up starting an affair with a local italian man realizing that she needs to end it to go back to her family and then while trying to leave at the station uh this italian man comes back to win her over and tries to get her to stay. That's basically the entire plot of the movie. Please, when does the next train leave for Milan? Milano. There's one in half an hour at seven. Then could you tell me what train I could take from Milan to Paris? Excuse me, why not take the 8.30? That goes straight through to Paris. No, no, I'll take the one at seven. The movie obviously isn't heavy on plot like uh, I had mentioned uh, but as far as sort of a minimalist storyline going on did you find that there was uh, a lot to take in uh, as far as uh, were the emotions of the film enough to carry the plot or do you feel that the story needed a bit more information a a little bit more action in order to sustain it No, I kind of like that it was just really basic and you learn different things about their relationship because you're introduced to these characters and you don't know anything about them from the get-go and you kind of, as the movie goes forward, you learn more and more about what happened before that first introduction. So 
I like how that's how their story was revealed rather than them actually showing you and telling you. And like this could have easily been a three hour movie where you're telling their whole backstory and you get to see it all. But I liked how it was just, it was all contained to the this terminal, this train station, and how you're, you're kind of dropped into their life just mm-hmm. for this, this one specific time sequence in their lives together. Yeah, I could see if it was completely done by an American filmmaker, they could have shown her their relationship, you know, they, they talk about how they met on the Spanish steps in Rome, and mm-hmm. how that they could have not necessarily maybe shown it in full, but maybe a bit of their relationship and the reason they're being together yeah. and a bit more of her thinking of why she needs to leave him. But instead, you just get the very beginning. And I think if you don't know the plot summary going into the film, I think you learn a lot it take it takes a while to, to fully understand mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. because if you go in knowing that sort of key plot line you're starting to expect things to unveil itself and when it does you already have a base understanding of what's going yeah. on yeah. Uh, i thought montgomery cliff gave a really good performance you know he's always he in, he always seems to be regarded as basically the the poor man's marlon brando you know they both were extremely handsome young men. They both were very, very serious about the way they approached acting as far as, you know, you have to be feeling exactly what the character is feeling right. and going through and very method acting style. I believe they they went to, they say the same uh, acting school, which is um, the, the Stanislavski method, which is where method acting comes from. And I think in this movie, he gives a very good performance, although his... Italian accent is terrible. <laughs> they specifically talk about how the fact that he's half American, half Italian, but the first time you meet him, he's got this, oh, I got this big Italian accent. Yeah, yeah. And then two lines later, it completely drops. And then every once in a while, you'll hear it in a bit again when he talks about how he's an Italian male, but it really is not there. So, accent issues aside, I think he gives a really strong performance. Yeah, I have to agree. I, you can really sense his his desires and his frustrations and even his insecurities at times. You can see it across his face and I just love how he presents his emotions and how he doesn't just act, but how he reacts. He has a very painful face, yeah, mm-hmm. which it was always great. Uh, and the more that I see of him in different films, the more I sort of see in, and there's this real you know, deep-seated pain behind everything that he does, which I, I definitely believe was him in general. I think he, he had a very conflicted life. I don't know a ton about him other than the fact that, you know, he was obviously one of Hollywood's first leading gay men that wasn't able to come out. He definitely had his crowd of supporters, people like Elizabeth Taylor and other people like that who were always there for him, but I don't think American film-going audiences really knew that about him, and I think that really kind of plays into a lot of his characters that he brought to the screen, where there was a real uh, pain behind everything that he did. Jennifer Jones, on the other hand, uh, is a bit of an interesting actor. You know, she was married to David Oselznick, who produced this film, and because Oselznick was, you know, a studio head, she was given tons of plum cushy parts, but overall she's not that strong of an actress she has a few interesting moments here and there Mm -hmm. where i think 
Desika was able to frame her at the right moment and capture what she does do well, which is, you know, sort of looks of surprise. Uh, I think that's maybe her one key emotion that she's good at. But other than that, she's not really great at the subtleties. Yeah, I found her performance a bit one note. It was kind of, you know, all over dramatic or Mm -hmm. all just kind of melodramatic i guess she had a good few moments also where she was required to have moments of kindness yes uh you know i think there's one scene in particular where she uh there's a she goes to the third class waiting lounge and she sees a woman who is pregnant that isn't feeling very well she seems to be suffering from exhaustion or something because that her and her family had traveled from england back to italy Uh, for work and she's four months pregnant and I think she does a really great job in that scene Uh, and I think this also shows how much heart this movie sort of has as well because there's a a good moment where it's almost like a teaching lesson where she's with her nephew who brought her her luggage uh, to the train station Uh, the nephew is like oh we're not I don't want to sit in the third class because, you know, these are clearly rich Americans. And I think she uses it as a good teaching lesson for him. And then later when... She says, what's the difference or what does it, what would that matter? Yeah, which, you know, is is a nice little moment. But then it comes up again when she goes into the doctor's office with this husband and wife and she asks her nephew to look after these three young boys who clearly, you know, have raggedy clothes on and look like they probably haven't showered in a while. And he sort of protests a little bit and she says, no, you sit there and wait with them and it's a very kind of cute little moment where i think uh a lot of other directors probably would have just scrapped that part entirely yeah. it's not essential to the plot at all, at all yeah. it doesn't really show anything you know that whole sequence in itself really doesn't do anything no. uh it has nothing to do with her in her affair or anything it just kind of rounds out her character a little bit and shows who she is even though she is a rich American woman clearly has a heart, which I, I really like that they kind of built that into her character. Yeah, for sure. I think it also just, with her dealing with the children and stuff, I think it just ties in to, she has a daughter at home, and it's kind of reassuring her that she's making the right choice to go back, that she has mm. her own daughter that she has to take care of. So, you know, she's done this indiscretion. She wants to take care of these kids while she's here as kind of a, deed of faith to like kind of redeem her character before she leaves and goes back to do what she's supposed to do that's interesting yeah, yeah. i didn't i didn't even make that connection because er- a little bit earlier she sees a, a, a dress shop or something like that and she picks up a dress for her daughter and i think that's probably the start of her uh making the connection of why you know affirming to herself why she is going yeah. back and i think that's that's a nice extra layer that's, that's a good connection i didn't notice that at first um something else i really loved about this film was the sound design mm. uh it's it's really good uh neorealism obviously tries to capture true life as much as possible so things like being on busy streets and noisy restaurants and things like that you get a lot of background noise which for movies is terrible you don't want background <laughs> yeah. noise you want control um and it's interesting because you know this Terminal Station is what it's, you know, what the actual building is called. Uh, Termini, uh, Station Termini, which just means like the main Union Station, Grand Central Station sort of thing where all the trains come through. It's always very noisy, very hustle bustle. You know, you've got 
loudspeaker announcements going over. You've got lots of people going by in buggies and carts and, and things like that. In restaurant, when they go to the restaurant, just so much noise. And then there's this great moment when she's talking with Giovanni, that's the, the Montgomery Cliff character, uh, he's trying to convince her to stay in Rome and he pulls her into a fine dining restaurant that hasn't opened yet and suddenly it's dead quiet and it's, it's really nice where you kind of get that nice contrast where you, you know you forget for a second what it is and then they leave the restaurant because they get kicked out because it's not open yet and it's really loud again mm-hmm. and then there's another moment later on when uh, Mary, the, the Jennifer Jones character, uh, is uh, trying to avoid uh, Giovanni because they've she's trying to just get on the train while he's trying to convince her to stay. They go into the basement where it's completely empty yeah. and their voices echo. Yeah, I loved that. Which is a really nice a touch. Subtle, subtle kind of... You wouldn't need... Like an American film wouldn't have that in there. You see the surrounding, you know you're in the, in the basement. Yeah. It's empty, but I really appreciated that they took that Desika added that for specific reason and i'm pretty sure based on the way the sound of the copy is uh which is a little dodgy at times um i'm pretty sure they recorded in post to be echoing yeah um i'm guessing a a lot of the dialogue probably had to be re-recorded in post there looks like there's some issues with uh, dubbing as far as you know the mm-hmm. the words matching the actor actors mouths I think there was probably also an issue with a lot of the background actors only speaking Italian yeah um, I noticed it the most with them yeah that, like their words weren't really matching up with them yeah which is probably when they took the most care into yeah. doing the dubbing uh, so it was really so it was really interesting so even though it's noticeable it was a nice little touch that they did that yeah uh, and then you had an interesting scene that, that you liked where Giovanni uh, sees her across the train tracks yeah. and runs across. Yeah, so she's, they've been separated for a little bit here and she's just waiting for her train and he finally spots her from across the tracks, calls out to her, she decides to turn away from him and, and walk, try and walk away and you can hear this train coming pulling into the station it's really loud and he, he keeps calling after her and he decides to run across these tracks as this train is coming down and so you get these interesting shots where like you see him and the tracks in front of him you hear the train you get a shot of the train then you come back it's a little bit closer up shot of, of Giovanni he's yelling at her you can the train the train's getting louder and then finally is this shot where he's jumping right in front of the train and then of course, he's across. He makes it all fine, but it's just a really good build-up and use of sound to kind of convey this urgency in this dramatic scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you you also get lots of uh, insert edit shots of the people watching yeah. this happening. There's a bunch of nuns, and they all start screaming, mm-hmm. and uh, train employees, station employees that are all yelling at him to not yeah, do yeah. that. So it's, it's a really yeah, it's a really interesting, well crafted little sequence. Um, using some clever editing and, and shots to make you believe what was happening, which was quite impressive for for Desika to do at this time. Uh, there's there's several key sequences where I think 
DeSica is really wanting to this to be his American film and I think it's stuff like that that he is borrowing from the American filmmakers that Oselznik had worked with you know mm-hmm. especially people like Hitchcock where you know he famously made uh, Rebe- they made Rebecca together uh, Oselznik also doing Gone with the Wind which was you know a nice big epic um, I think this is DeSica's version of going as far as he could into the Hollywood foray and seeing how he can incorporate that style into his own filmmaking. And I think another great moment is uh, in basically one of Giovanni's last real attempts and probably his his best attempt he had at keeping Mary in Rome was when the two of them sneak onto an empty train car that's just sitting in the yard and they start making out and then she pulls away and then they start talking during this bit there is uh light just shining on the actor's eyes much like in film noir you know that's a very famous film noir trope where everyone is cloaked in darkness and all you see is their eyes because that's where you know the most acting comes from is the eyes Mm -hmm. and so it's a really you know (laughs) looking back a horrible technique for the actors because what they would do is basically just out of frame be holding mirrors up bouncing light into the actor's eyes it would basically be burning their eyeballs and they couldn't blink and they had to act all this emotion at the same time yeah, I can't so, imagine that was too pleasant yeah you know there there's horror stories now where you talk about like some actors getting permanent eye damage from this oh, sort gosh. of style but interestingly enough i think it's really cool where they incorporate this into the shot and it's one you know DeSica's way of sort of aping the American style of film noir which was very popular in the late 40s early 50s uh and two this was their moment of crime one in the sense of you know this is the only time you see them kissing each other so this is her actually cheating we're actually the audience is actually seeing it that is the sin that is happening so it takes this sort of noirish vibe but also as we later learn they get arrested because of this because they're on a train car that they're not supposed to be which that whole idea of it is a little bit silly uh you know you get a trained employee that sees them go on instead of just yelling at them to get off he goes and gets the cops (laughs) but that sort of sort of plays back into this noir aspect where that's them literally committing a crime where in the noir sort of style it's usually talking about murder and other you know much more devious sort of things so it's kind of an interesting way of an italian (laughs) looking at uh, American film trends and genres and how he can incorporate it yeah. into his own work. Um, trying to to see if there's anything else I really want to talk about overall before we sort of get into the um, more specifics of the differences between the two of them. Uh, oh, I liked one, one other thing I really want to point out is uh, after um, they get arrested... Uh, and they're, they're being processed and they're seeing the, the commissioner and, you know, he decides their fate that they're not going to be charged with a crime. Uh, over the loudspeaker, uh, we get told that uh, Mary needs to pick up her luggage and coat, which was left at uh, a bag check. And each shot, we're hearing this echo of the loudspeaker and it shows everywhere in the movie that they had been. So, you know, it shows the waiting room mm-hmm. lobby. It shows uh, the cafeteria where they are. It shows the, the platform. It shows the police station. So it's really interesting that kind of 
connects this whole building world that we've yeah. been living in for the last 45 minutes to an hour or so, depending on what version you're watching, um, and, and really makes it seem you understand where it all is. Uh, so that was a, a really interesting idea to do it that way. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. Uh, and then a funny moment for me is uh, there's this uh, a train arriving with the president and throughout the background <laughs> of the whole movie you see all this going on you know you see guards marching around yeah. with their royal outfits and then you see them rolling up the carpet mm-hmm. and then you see them rolling up the carpet and then you see more guards <laughs> it's one of those it's things a secondary where secondary story happening it is time, yeah. yeah it was one of those things where the first time you're watching it, you're really only noticing it as they're talking about it just before it happens right. because you actually see the the president walk down this carpet. But watching it a second time, I was able to notice all these key details. Building and, up to it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was one of the things where maybe some of the shots were cut out because we saw we watched the shorter version first or if, you know, just be more perceptive of understanding where that yeah. plot line is happening. So that'd be kind of interesting. Either, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I need to rewatch, re-watch. the short yeah, one again. Yeah, I know, I felt the same way after we watched the, the second one. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a short break and then when we come back, we are going to talk about some similarities and differences between these two versions. She good wife, good mother, always, always for family. Never fall. Yes, she's wonderful. Goodbye. All right, so earlier we talked about what we sort of liked uh, about this film and and different plot points that we found interesting. Now we're going to talk about why this film is deserving of a a make-remake discussion, which is sort of where we always end up about how you can have the action being both similar and different while telling the same story. Uh, I think the main key point that I think was pointed out right away on the the Coconata essay uh, is the way this film starts. You know, the movie starts in the shorter version where Mary is writing a letter about how she's leaving Giovanni and she's going to leave it as at his apartment but she doesn't she goes to the apartment goes to ring the doorbell and runs away and then shows her writing the letter again and Mm -hmm. continuing it and she never ends up sending it but right from the get-go we get this information of her entire feelings yeah whereas in the longer version there is no letter what happens is she once again goes to his apartment doesn't ring his doorbell runs away But then a few minutes later, when she's at the train station, she goes to send a telegram and she still writes him a letter, but it's much shorter and it doesn't contain near as much information. But we get this whole extended sequence of her actually, you know, having this internal fight of whether or not she's going to send this letter at. Did you find that there was a way that they presented this differently if one worked better or not? Well, the Oselznik version, it presents you all the information right from the beginning, as we said. So you're kind of thrust into the story. You understand what's going on. So I feel like there's little suspense as to what's happening. You, you're like, you're right there. You understand it. Um, whereas in the Dezika version, I liked how it showed her, her several attempts of trying to figure out how she wanted to present this information to him. And each time, like her first telegraph is have to leave 
child sick. That's mm-hmm. all we get. And then she decides to scrap that and start again and get a little bit more information. She goes up to the to the counter to give up this telegraph, decides, no, this isn't good. Like, I, I can't send this. Then she decides to write a longer letter where we get almost the same information that we get from the, the I would, I would say letter, so. I think. Yeah. It's almost the same. But we don't see it as much. we don't see it. It's, it's a voiceover. She's kind of rereading what she's written. Is this good enough? You get this feeling. So it kind of builds suspense, kind of lays out the story, I find, a little bit more interesting. I don't know if it's better or worse. Uh, and my take is I prefer this, the, the Sika version because it builds not only plot but also character, I thought. You know, she's struggling with leaving in the first place. She's struggling with how to tell him. She's struggling with if she's going to tell him. And, you know, you get so much more in that than just this plain letter showed to you. Well, I think you hit on a key point. The, the differences between the two of them is character versus plot. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Oselznik version, it is about plot. It's about how do we get this information across the mm-hmm. audience as easily as possible so no one is confused and we know where all these people yeah. stand. Whereas in Desika's, it is completely about character. We understand the internal struggle that she's going through and deciding... You know, is she going to lie to him for his sake? Is she going to lie to him for her sake? Is she going to tell the truth at all? Does she really even want to leave? Does she just want to leave without not telling him anything? And so it's a nice, you really get a full story. And and the scene isn't even that long. It's, you know, it's maybe a minute and a half, two minute scene, but you learn so much more about who she is as a person um yeah. compared to the Oselznik version which is just this is who the person is this is what the event is and this is how we're moving forward yeah yeah so that was that was i think that was interesting and i, and I definitely you know i think what's going to happen is as we talk more about this i think people are going to understand that we greatly prefer the Desika <laughs> version yeah I'll try to be a bit neutral and sort of just talk about why we feel that way. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to let you know that if you only watch one of them, watch the Desika version. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, there's also uh, the restaurant scene that I was talking about with this great sound design. It's extended. You know, what ends up happening in both films is she doesn't send the letter. She doesn't send the telegram. She calls her nephew to bring luggage. And um, I, I think they were supposed to have a date. Mary and Giovanni were supposed mm-hmm. to have a date. So she, Giovanni can't find her. So he calls her sister and nephew's house and they say oh yeah uh, she's at the train station so that's why that's how that's he how gets he there yeah. yeah so either way that information is the same in both mm-hmm. films there's no differences in the way it's presented um but there's this the restaurant scene i was talking about this is the first time that they're together and he is trying to convince her to stay and the restaurant scene is far more extended mm-hmm. um i think the the nice thing is there's humor you actually you you know these are two beautiful people on screen it's very easy for an audience to go yes beautiful people are supposed to be together i get it (laughs) montgomery clift is gorgeous i get it i would be with him too (laughs) if i was traveling in italy and saw him and he asked me out of course i would say yes man or woman um but uh this you actually see their humor and you understand that he wasn't just some guy picking up a woman that they had a connection connection. there was some sort of chemistry there 
you get a little bit more banter between them and you can see they smile they laugh yeah you can feel the joy in their relationship and why this relationship is happening it's mm-hmm. not all doom and gloom where it's just so cold feeling and you you don't really feel any kind of warmth for this relationship and you don't fully understand why they'd even want to be together because it seems so just mm-hmm. sad and gloomy but yeah. this one like in the extended version you know they smile at each other they're they're, they're still they're trying to flirt with each other mm-hmm. and not only just flirt with the idea of staying or going but mm-hmm. actually flirting and oh yeah like i saw you because of your legs and yeah and kind of thing and i just i thought that was nicer I, I think montgomery cliff's performance in both i think you you kind of get across his character very well i think because of his acting abilities regardless whatever take they used it was a good Mm -hmm. cut whereas uh with jones's performance i think it helps her a lot more having the extended version uh because when she's just speaking she doesn't really emote a lot it's the lingering moments that desika stays on where she actually does a little bit of acting Mm -hmm. where you kind of feel a bit more because i think if you were to categorize their relationship in the ocell's next shorter version it would be best described as uh a depressed american housewife decides to have uh a fling with a sexy foreigner yeah, yeah. and that's all it really is whereas in this i think you still get the sadness of her character and you know realizing that she might not be the perfect partner her husband might not be the perfect partner for her but you understand a bit more about you know this wasn't just some sexual fling this yeah. was a relationship that had been building and we get this dialogue about how she loves him and she said that she loves him more than anyone mm-hmm. Um, both those lines are in both films, but you actually get to feel that yeah. and understand where it's coming from. Yeah, it carries more weight. Because mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of the time, you know, you say in real life, talk is cheap. Give, you know, show mm-hmm. me your action. The actions always have more meaning. And I think in this film, the talk you you take it at face value, but it's the emotions yeah. that really carry the weight. Yep. Um, sure. And it, and like you were saying, I feel at the end, you know, it starts out with this humor and i think at the end of the scene you kind of see a bit of more of the passion in their eyes that was cut out um looking at my notes uh (laughs) oh yeah one of the things i think that i like that you had pointed out something that i noticed in the first version that we watched the oceanic one as well was this fantastic shot that i think really sums up the movie when they're in this restaurant uh it's a close-up of him holding her hand and you see the wedding band on her finger and you see no ring on his finger and yeah. I think uh, that's sort of when you really understand the situation it's nice to kind of be put in front of you so yeah. bluntly but it's a beautiful shot it's a great shot and I also love that it's him kissing their hands mm-hmm. and you don't see her face at all it's just it's so you it kind of shows the whole story yeah these two people love each other that's what their hands are but she's tied to something else Mm -hmm. so she can't show that Mm -hmm. she like is withholding her face and her love and her joy whereas he's trying to show her and give it to her and like convince her to stay so Mm -hmm. i really love just that presentation of why were we even watching this movie in the first place and it's and i think it's also framed very interestingly because uh 
nothing is is center frame the hands take up the most room in the frame but they're they're still slightly center left his face isn't fully shown it's kind of a bit of a dirty shot where the hands are sort of blocking his face he isn't in focus completely he leans over and he, he kisses her hand and then kind of leans back and you see probably about two-thirds of his face but not the whole thing so it's kind of an interesting weird dirty shot where nothing is fully centered but the hands are definitely the focus Mm -hmm. i think deceka does a really good job uh focusing in on that um uh, i think an interesting thing was you know there's this weird moment i don't know if it's because of the era or what but uh there's a few jokes about uh domestic violence about how if he's an italian man he'll beat her and things like that but then later on when he feels kind of insulted he isn't sure how to react he slaps her there's this interesting moment where he kind of runs off in shame and then he goes to his car because he's gonna leave because he realizes you know he kind of screwed it up for good the way that emotion sort of plays out where you sort of feel his shame his regret and then figuring out how he can maybe change the situation and apologize that's all completely cut out in Mm -hmm. the Oselznik version it's basically slap run next bit whereas this you kind of get to see his emotions and and what he's thinking yeah his struggle with what's happened and he doesn't want to leave it that way he still wants her so yeah, you, you lose that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, another thing that I kind of thought was interesting that I probably should have brought up in the first segment, but uh, this movie takes place in Italy. She's an American. I like that uh, she doesn't understand what people are saying to her. People, Italians, don't understand what she's saying to them. Yeah. Sometimes they'll be like, oh hang on my coworker speaks english yeah. uh without the you don't need that dialogue anyone that's ever been in a foreign country understands not everyone's gonna speak english yeah. go english yeah and then eventually you know you'll get someone that goes yes i speak english so i think <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a, a unique way to to show that yeah. information there was two other parts that i really liked when she's collecting her bag uh the clerk at the counter is giving her a bag and telling her, like, I need your identification, check it over, but she doesn't understand any of that, so Giovanni has to translate. And I think it's just interesting how he's helping her get her bags and helping her to get to this. He doesn't want to do it, but it's just natural, like, oh, she doesn't understand you, so I'm going to tell you what he's telling you to yeah. like, do. And then when she gets on the train, a woman decides to share her her section with her, her Yeah, the room. sleeping compartment. Yeah, and she goes in, Mary, and says, thank you, just something super simple and this woman looks at her like like what why why are you here and then she says oh grazie and the woman her face goes calm and is all nice oh prego yeah she understands she's the woman who's there to like share the compartment with her so yeah it's cool yeah it's a good little moment um where it's it's very little it's things like that they don't need to be in the film but it it adds adds, to it and i think you know other directors would have just you know had the woman be like respond prego when she says thank you where you don't need that extra five seconds of the confusion switching the language Mm -hmm. understanding why what she's saying 
it's such a throwaway moment, but it works so much to understand you're in a different country. Yeah. Not everyone speaks your language. Most people do, but not everyone. Yeah. And if they do, it's a limited understanding as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the last uh, key things that we can maybe uh, talk about is uh, the arrest sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were the one that, that kind of pointed out some of the differences in, yeah. in that. Well, in the extended version, uh, when they they're waiting for the commissioner to get the get back from this presidential walkthrough, whatever, but before she can miss her train or get catch it, and uh, he's asking them questions like, "Why are you here?" and "Who are you?" blah blah blah. But in the extended version, we get uh, the first thing I noticed was he asks uh, Giovanni what he does, and he says, "Oh, I'm a teacher." It doesn't matter. It adds nothing to the story, really. But in Oselznik's version, it's cut out completely. I just thought it was really nice that we got a little bit more about what what he is, and you know, teachers are respected, and you understand kind of where he's coming from. And he almost—I don't know. It just—I I liked it. It was an added little thing. It wasn't necessary, but it wasn't all about her life mm-hmm. and, and what she does. You know. Obviously, throughout the movie, he's key on not providing information about yeah. himself you know very little about him at mm-hmm. all so it's it, what little information we do get it's nice and i think the other interesting thing is uh we're obviously looking at this through the lens of mary and uh they're talking about how this would be a scandal for her, for her yeah. because if it comes out, it's going to be public record that a woman with a husband and a child mm-hmm. was caught having an affair. But then we also, you know, the flip side, once we learn that he's a teacher, what that would do for his career, it's not mentioned, mm-hmm. but just by him saying a teacher means that he would probably be fired. Mm-hmm. You know, later on in the film, as they're leaving, she says, uh, I hope you get that job at that school. Yeah, yeah. If this was a scandal, he wouldn't be Probably, hired yeah, for that job. Yeah. Um, and we already know that he's not a wealthy man. He says that earlier, mm-hmm. and so that definitely would have hindered him. So I think yeah. this is a, a that's a kind of a key moment that for neither his, of them yeah. wanted to be yeah, a scandal. They both have something to lose, mm-hmm. basically. Also, uh, in the same sequence, in the extended version, um, one of the police brings in this the report, the report yeah. of what happened, how they found them. And uh, the commissioner's reading it, says that they found these, a man and a woman in a empty train talking, and they aren't able to explain why they're there, why they're on this train illegally. <laughs> and um, in Oselznik's version, he, he, what I found interesting was he cuts out that, uh, he, he comes up to a man and a woman are found in an empty train and then it cuts to the commissioner's eyes reading the rest but not saying anything and looking up at them kind of like oh insinuating insinuating yeah. like oh you guys were doing something you shouldn't have been you've been caught and it doesn't say that it's just they were just talking and couldn't you know it implied something much grander and much bigger and much like bad mm-hmm. worse so which is a very american thing to do like so in europe Oh, you're found a man and a woman, you know, talking alone on the train. That's scandalous, you know. But in America, you need a bigger reason for it to be more scandalous than that. Which I find interesting, considering the era and sort of 
prudishness aspect mm-hmm. of the way sex was sort of depicted in American cinema that they decided to go with it that way. I think I guess because it was it wasn't said, it was insinuated. Yeah. Which is still odd because instead of, you know, if it was just insinuated, I get it, but in the longer version, all we get is they were talking and they couldn't explain the reason. It's yeah. not like because what they, what actually happened is they were they're kissing each other and then she pulls away and they start talking and that's when the police find them. It's just when they're talking. Yes. So that literally is what's it's happening. So if it, if the longer version was and we found them kissing, you know that makes a lot more yeah. sense to yeah. you know that be the more <laughs> risque version. But it's 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 just very funny to think about the American version being the the sexier version led to your imagination because usually european film yeah sex is nothing yeah yeah Yeah. sex doesn't mean anything you know it's 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 just a natural sort of thing whereas in the american it's like we need to bury it a little bit more yeah so it's really interesting that there was a beer scandal yeah i I liked it i like i like i like the differences i think i think both of those versions work this is, I think that's one of the instances where I think either cut is fine. Mm-hmm. I think that Selznick's version of, you know, making it seem more action heavy by right. insinuating things, yeah. whereas Desika's is more just letting it play out. So I think that's kind of an, an interesting way to, to look at the differences yeah. in one of the few times where I think both were right. Mm-hmm. Um uh yeah i I, you know i think overall this is a really interesting experiment like i said at at the top this seems like it would be a film teacher's idea for an experiment you know they do their own take their own you know whether it was a tv show or a movie and then kind of chop it up and and ask their students talk about what they like more what they like less showing you exactly the differences of how a long take can attack uh change your perception of what's going on um so it's interesting i think what desika does best oselznik wasn't able to completely cut out oselznik still released a neorealism film but it was definitely an american style you know i think the the nice thing was this movie was populated by real people that were always in the background mm-hmm. and you see them several times much like we've all been to an airport we've been to a train station where you have to wait around for an hour you know you go to the bathroom you see someone you go sit down and you realize they're sitting across from you yeah, or up. yeah then you go to get a coffee and you recognize someone that went through security at the same time yeah. you did you don't know these people but they're there in the same world as you they're there for the same reasons and i think Desika does what he does best as far as making building a world and Oselznik wasn't able to cut that. You know, there's a few great instances of there's these four American priests that seem to just enter the shot right as Mary is leaving and, you know, they're English. They don't know any Italian, so they're kind of fumbling along with buying their coffees. Uh, And it's kind of a a cute little scene where you, you get to build this world and then there's these group of singing men who are in both of them you see the you know the the presidential guards in both of them it really makes the world feel lived in where i think other movies you know you go through so many extras you just won't recognize any of them 
register them. Yeah, right? you don't you don't register them exactly. And this way, you you really feel like you're there, that you're just another person at this train yeah. station about to travel. Yeah. Um, overall, um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Italian neorealism films. It's obviously a bit of a blind spot. I should correct, but I believe that was your your first neorealism yeah. film. Yeah, as far as I know. As uh, as far as you know, a sort of a genre. Did you did you like the way it sort of was presented? As far as this new sort of style of film, obviously now you get other filmmakers right. that are influenced by yeah. that. And you get it, but as far as looking at old films, comparing yeah. it, what were your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. If you had asked me after we watched the Ostelznik version and you told me this is a neorealism film, I would have been like, wow, I hate it. It's awful. <laughs> but after watching the the Sika version, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so interesting. I loved the realism of it and like the, the people, the sounds, the places, it, how it felt lived in, how, you know, I just thought it was really interesting fluidity of everything and just you felt more from it like just the extended cuts and when the main characters aren't on in the frame Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that and kind of took more from that than just them being in every single shot chop 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 here she is here chop here she is now chop here he is you know there was more fluidity it felt you could breathed it moved it felt just better i don't know how how to explain it but i mean obviously we already said we were prejudiced towards one (laughs) (laughs) we maybe liked one other but as a as a genre i if this is what it is i'm definitely intrigued to watch more nice uh so like i said at the top of this episode we we came to this based on kogonada's video essay uh what is neorealism that's the title of it we we watched the video essay first and you know right away for me i was like wow that sounds like a great idea for a make remake so we we sought out these films and then we rewatched after we saw both of them and it just sort of really hit home where this was all coming from Mm -hmm. and you really get to see the differences of you know what a hollywood film is like and what a neorealism film is like you know combining some great elements and, and seeing how these worlds clash um so i highly recommend regardless if you have any interest on in seeing these films or not to check out this video essay it's very short it's only a couple minutes long in those couple of minutes i think you learned so much uh about neorealism and also sort of the history of what this film is so if you go to liveandlimbo.com where the show notes are going to be there's going to be a link to Koganada's video essay. Uh, I'll also include links to how you can watch the two different movies. Interestingly enough, both are available for free on YouTube. They're, they're public domain films. They're, they're old enough where the rights aren't held anymore. Uh, you can get both on a Critter Ion edition. Uh, it comes on the same, the same copy. So if you really want to spend the extra money and watch on Critter Ion or have access to that, uh, definitely check it out that way but you can watch it for free on YouTube the links will be in the show notes um, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at ContraZoomPod and you can follow me on Twitter at DGAPA uh, and, and lastly as I've done for the last few episodes if, uh, if you can go to the website Podchaser where there'll be a link in the show notes where you can uh, rate and review this show all you need is a Facebook account to log in 
simple five-star rating will go a far way of helping grow this show. They aim to be the IMDb of podcasts. Uh, and as always, iTunes ratings and reviews also help. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Yeah, thanks. I really enjoyed this one. It was really fun. It was a cool one. It, yeah. was a, it was a really unique way. You know, we've done a few different ones. We did The Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven and getting to see how it transitions mm-hmm. from a Japanese language film to an English language yeah. film and completely changing the genres. That's cool. But this, this was definitely a unique way yeah, to do it. it was really neat. Uh, we definitely recommend watching Terminal Station, Not Indiscretion of an American Wife. Uh, directed by Vittorio De Sica. Thank you so much for listening.